Pirates. It's 2 p.m. It's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... It's that time again, Elizabeth. You and I today, how are we doing? We're doing well after our week off. How was your uh, your week off last week? Uh, week off? Huh? What? Well, from the show. Okay, <laughs> from, the show, from, from the show. From the show. <laughs> um, I honestly spent most of my week pounding uh, away on getting uh, the new artist site, uh, artisu.com, up and running. Um, it's up and running. We're accepting applications for artists and the next live festival is August 22nd, 23rd. So with everyone gone, I got to focus on a non-franchise project. What about you? That's fine. Um, we spent Thursday through Monday moving my daughter. So we drove to Lexington, Virginia, packed her up, drove to Washington, D.C., unpacked her drove back to Lexington to get her car that's giving her some issues and then drove two cars home from Lexington to Alabama. So we packed a lot in a few days and we are uh, then jumped straight into our weeks. So we're a little tired, but it was good. (laughs) She's all moved in, hadn't seen her in several months. So all is well. So what was traveling like in this COVID days, these COVID days? It was interesting. Um, you know, Alabama just started a mask mandate. And so on the way out of town, not a lot of masks here. Uh, Tennessee, nobody wore a mask. In Virginia, especially in the D.C. part, everybody had on a mask um, and was pretty conscious of social distancing. So it was kind of interesting. And then when we came back the other way, most of Alabama was wearing a mask. So uh, I think people are trying to get this thing to stop. (laughs) But uh, it was it was not as bad as I thought. We didn't feel like we were exposing ourselves too much to people, and people were pretty respectful. So, so are you? What type of mask are you talking about? A facial mask. Like this? You know, so that you don't spread. Oh <laughs> no, we did not walk around the gas mask. <laughs> but maybe that would have been a good idea. No fun whatsoever. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I got to tell you, Sorry. even around in, in California, I do get a few uh, looks when I go in with that the gas mask on. No one said anything. I'm sure you do. <laughs> because this is California, and so no one will say anything about anything. But I always like doing that every once in a while when I want to screw with people. Yeah, shock value. That's, a, that's your thing, isn't it, Fred? <laughs> hey, if you can't get them to watch, you can't get them to listen, then you're alone. So, you know, exactly. It's the marketing purpose of life. (laughs) So Ray is in Mount Rushmore. Um, Sadly, while I wanted him to get the the park service to, you know, set up a special pavilion run internet in there and do a live broadcast from Mount Rushmore, um, Ray couldn't get it done. So he's just lost in the wilds of Mount Rushmore Uh somewhere. Well, I guess he deserves a little relaxation out in the nature. We'll give him a week off. <laughs> Two weeks off. So, him. Fred, how's the weather where you are? Two weeks Ooh, off. Weird. I know. He's taking advantage a little bit, but that's okay. 
he's uh he's celebrating his engagement i'm sure yeah i'll, I'll cut him that I'll, I'll cut him slack there no yeah. problem so oh <laughs> you want to go to the pillars of weather it. huh it's actually beautiful the background in my image is not representative of what it is it's actually blue sky and and sun out but it did look that way um this morning but it's beautiful right now huh yeah low 70s no no we get low 70s i mean it's been in the low 70s most of the last week we'll get a few hot days and i know what hot is sticky 90 plus degree midwestern heat grew up in it yeah it's never never that sweaty humid it's just kind of the high baking heat when it gets to it 10 days a week 10 days yeah. a year but we you know we we were hot when we left alabama last week and it followed us to virginia it was 100 degrees the day that we were moving and the heat index was something like 108 and it was just miserable, miserable. <laughs> then we came back and it's we've had a little rain so we're we're in the 80s actually today, but it's 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 a sunny, sunny, bright sky with rain. So I don't know what you do so, that. <laughs> who's our guest today? Our guest today, let me bring him in, um, is David Keel. He is um, here. He comes. He is uh, operating partner, president, and COO for Franworth. Um, he brings franchising, growth, and leadership experience from brands like Pure Bar, Honey Baked Ham, Ecolab, Frito-Lay, and Haagen-Dazs. He's also an advisor to private equity firms, churches, business centers, multi-unit franchisees, and large-scale merger integration teams. He has an operations engineering degree from the University of Michigan and an MBA from the University of Kansas. And then he's got a lot of other exciting things going on um, that we're going to talk to him about throughout the interview. So, Dave, welcome to the show. Dave, we, there we go. All right. Welcome to the show, Dave. Yes, you got me unmuted. Thanks. Happy to be here. <laughs> life on Zoom, right? Yeah, life on Zoom. We'll get it straight, right, eventually. I'm happy <laughs> to be here. Everybody's used to it. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, um, just start us off with a little bit of your background before we get no, into some details, because I'm excited to talk first. to you about a lot of things that you've got going on. Oh, I forgot to ask you about your weather. I always oh that. yeah, the weather question. Thank you. Well, I'm in uh, I'm in Glen Arbor, Michigan. Which um, so those of us in Michigan, this is a representative of the state. I'm those of you on audio. I'm holding out my hand and pointing to the very top of my pinky finger. So that's where I am in Glen Arbor, Michigan. So it's a cabin we have up north. Uh, we live uh, most of the time in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, home of so my. Are you on a lake up there? Yeah, it's uh, Glen Lake. Um, so oh, it's nice. a little lake with these big sand dunes. It's sleeping bear sand dunes. It's beautiful. And, and just uh, Lake Michigan's just a few hundred yards that way. So uh, way up on pretty lake, but right near the big lake. And it's a, a bluebird day, uh, blue sky, 72 degrees. And things are good. Perfect. And yeah, that's, that's a Miami great. hat, right? So much better than the heat down here. <laughs> You're wearing a <laughs> All Miami right, so back hat, to my right? other question. Go ahead. Give us a little, sorry, Fred. I was going to say, you're wearing a Miami hat, aren't you? No, it's not a Miami hat. That's a University of Michigan hat. So I'm a a Michigan grad and uh, (laughs) yeah, like, uh, yeah, big fan. Um, Been my whole life. Uh, Came here to be an engineer and uh, was gone some 35 years and just moved back to the state. 
uh, here a couple about two years ago when I joined Franwood. Nice. It's it is beautiful up there. My dad's from up there, and he um, he actually played football for the University of Michigan. All right. Quite a few years ago, so we're awesome. we're big fans too. We have our Michigan attire. Um, but yeah. I mean, the best part about it is it's my best friends on the planet. I uh, I met my um, my wife there, so she was my college sweetheart, and now my wife of 32 years, and uh, all my best buddies on the planet are from here. We've uh, you know been together and, and done life together for you know 35 years so that's uh if you can find a place like that uh you know it's a pretty good deal yeah it is and they're both they're all mostly still up there uh no they're scattered i mean all around the planet uh, guys that are leading i mean unbelievable this this tight group of people one you know bank presidents and ceos and you know several of the retired um as you know successful entrepreneurs but uh, yeah, scattered across the world now, but uh, we we tend to come back here at least once a year for a football game, and we get together once a year down in the Atlanta area or down in your neck of the woods, um, mm-hmm. SEC country for a little golf in the spring. Nice. That's very nice. Well, speaking of uh, CE, COOs and CEOs, uh, that describes you <laughs> in your group mm-hmm. of friends as well. So give us a little background on, on kind of your path, particularly uh, through franchising, and, and some of the things that you've done yeah. that have led you to Friendwork. Yeah, happy to do that. Thank you. Uh, so I started my career out of undergrad in Fortune 500 world. So I worked for three big companies and was just classically trained in how to lead. So Frito-Lay, General Mills, and then Ecolab. So all big Fortune 500 companies with great, uh, great ways to be educated as a young leader and just work my way up through those organizations, had the opportunity to lead big divisions, had a chance to do a bunch of different jobs, mostly leadership roles. Um, did a bunch of mergers and acquisitions. I love the art of the deal, about bringing people together with different interests. And then along that way, uh, did a deal, brought Ben and Jerry's together with haagen I was on the haagen team, and then later put Nestle together with haagen in a joint venture. And as an outcome of that, I became the president of the haagen Shop Company. So it was my first entree into franchising. Didn't know a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I all of a sudden was the president of a franchise organization and absolutely fell in love with it. I loved the entrepreneurial, the, the fact that we're putting people in business uh, that are their own entrepreneurs wrapped around a great brand and a system. Um, uh, so I, I fell in love with it. And then... Um, Fast forward a couple of years, I had the opportunity to sit on the board of Honey Baked Ham, which has around 400 units, about 200 are corporate owned, 200 are franchise. And they had been family run for 59 years, uh, and they were looking to uh, bring in an outside CEO. So I was their first outside CEO, had a great run there. Uh, it's a wonderful brand, but they had been running it in three distinct regions of the country, all different. So there were different supply chains and websites and the like. So I was able to great, hire a great team, bring a great team together, and we significantly improved profitability and our service to our franchisees. So did that, and then uh, was the CEO of Pure Bar. So Pure Bar, as you may know, is the uh, second biggest boutique fitness uh, on the planet with around 520 open units. Again, took over that business when we had declining same-store sales. Again, put a great team together around that, uh, and then we turned that around. We launched uh, Pure Bar On Demand, so a, an omni-channel offer, uh, accelerated our retail or our athleisure presence, 
uh, and just created a great team and, and uh, built great relationships uh, with franchisees. So the thing I love about franchising is I still have friends in from Honey Baked Ham, from haagen Shops, from Pure Bar that I stay in touch with uh, all the time. So love that. And then, um, you know, we sold that business to Exponential Fitness. We sold Pure Bar. And I found myself back in Michigan. And I had heard of Franworth, uh, didn't know John Rachi, didn't know Franworth, but I'd heard of them. So located right in downtown Ann Arbor. So I uh, had a meeting with uh, CEO and founder John Rachi and, uh, for lunch. And that lunch turned into a four and a half hour meeting. Uh, and by the end of it, um, you know, I was asked to be the CEO of the Lash Lounge. Uh, the Lash Lounge is just a, a wonderful brand. Uh, the, the founder, Anna Phillips, had created it and opened, I think at that time, had about 19 units open. But we had sold more than 300 and was really looking for a, a CEO that had grown things. So uh, I partnered with the founder, Anna, and we wrapped uh, what Franworth does is partner with these small brands and wrap a whole franchising and scaling system around them. Uh, and so today it's uh, stronger than ever, more than 100 open. Um, has rebounded back from COVID like you wouldn't believe. Uh, more than 90% are open, higher demand than when we went in, believe it or not. Um, so uh, that's the story of how I got here. So I, I ran that business for a while. Then best decision we ever made, we brought in Meg Roberts, who I think has been a guest on your on your show. Uh, Meg used to run. Molly Maid is now the president and CEO of the Lash Lounge and enabled me to step into a different role at Franworth. And so now I'm, I'm the coach. I'm, I coach uh, all of our different CEOs and presidents and lead our functional team. We've got some 450 years of franchise experience uh, on our team. So that's how it got me here. All right. So two comments. You don't look a day over 55, let alone 450. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, got to interject some humor here um, oh good no i like that all right yeah I nailed it with the 55 i'm for sure 55 and and my team kids me all the time about uh, you know dave is that 450 years of experience include you i'm like yes it includes me uh, <laughs> in that count uh, for sure and there's about 40 about 37 of us so you know we've got some pretty good you know on average 15 years of, of franchise experience per person on the team so it is a season not quite as seasoned as me but certainly it's seasoned <laughs> So you mentioned Meg, and, and Meg um, occupies a special place in our hearts because, A, she was when she was with Molly Maid, she was the second guest um, we ever had on. And then as she, after she'd been at Lash Lounge for, I think, about a year, she was on recently. So she kind of yeah. closed that loop. So she's kind of um, – I actually had to write her bio the first time she was on. Um, so she's, got, she uh, she's a she's a rock star. Uh, there's no question. Uh, and and built. I think if you look at the lash lounge today, it's just a. If you could build, and we did this, right? If you could build the prototypical team to support a franchise, you would build it around someone like Mac, who, you know, has the franchisees front and center. Um, I mean, she true through this period. Believe it or not, right? We we were down. Every lash lounge was closed March and April. Um, and what I will tell you, with there's no doubt in franchisees on the last lounge team would attest to this the the support that they got that meg and her team gave to the last lounge was just world-class and they they are closer they feel more confident in the future of the business coming out of covid than they did going in and and i don't think there are many brands that can say that that they're stronger coming out than than going in and it really is a testament to what 
what Franworth wrapped around and built the bones of the infrastructure. And then now Meg has really built out, you know, really one of the strongest teams in franchising to go support it. Um, so now here's the question. What's the hardest thing about Meg to manage? <laughs> wow. Listen, I'm sure Meg is watching. So thanks a lot for that. And, and a bunch of our team. Um, you know, Meg is one of the, and Meg and I have gone uh, at things from different perspectives um, from time to time. So I think Meg is one of those people who um, great motivational leader and always advocates for the business, the brand, the founder, the franchisees. And oftentimes I have to play devil's advocate to go at, advocate for the business, for, you know, the, the future and where we're going. And so I think those discussions, Fred, um, I think if they're best held, if you can have some creative tension between that, you know, how do you balance the balance of the franchisor and the franchisee and have a real robust discussion about that? I think those are the most value added for everybody. And so I think that's the, the thing I love about Meg is she will have an opinion um, but she will also uh, listen and, you know, respect people that have different experiences and then we'll, you know, we'll hash it out. And then we always come out of it better. I respect her immensely. And I think she the same for me. And so I think that's the, the best thing to, to say about that is that she's always willing to have a, a tough conversation, but always with that, you know, the franchisee at the, and the business and first and forefront. So when you say, well, and I think you've got to have both of those elements, don't you think that the, I love the term creative tension because it makes it a positive, but I think anything that just is too easy doesn't ever go as well. So I, I think that dynamic is really important to have both perspectives pushing each other toward the right answer. Yeah. You don't, you don't want an organization full of yes people. Right. You don't, you know, iron sharpens iron. There's every, you know, uh, phrase you can come up with, but I think it's very true. Uh, and we had a session earlier today, frankly, we, we were on the phone talking about our strategy and how we're going to come out of COVID differently and better than before. What needs to change in our business model, how we support our franchisee, how we support our franchisors. And, and I love creating a diverse team. I, I think there's so much to creating diversity. There's been a lot, obviously, in the news with uh, George Floyd and everything that's come about. And we've embraced that. We, we at Franward dove right in. Um, I truly believe that you have to have a diversity of thought and opinion and race and color and creed and, and background. Mm -hmm. Those make companies better uh, when you invite all that in and you have the creative tension and then better things come of it. Uh, I mean, we've created a diversity and inclusion team. We just had a volunteer event last week to go act. We're doing a book club on Nelson Mandela's book. I mean, we're, we've embraced it, but we also embrace diversity of thought when we're talking through business ideas. So. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in that. So does creative tension include throwing staplers at each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be quick. I think that's one of the uh, the things that we uh, we've got a couple of fitness concepts, Fred, and we were just talking about that, um, you know, before the show opened, and that, that creates those quick twitch muscles to be able to dodge the staplers coming at you. <laughs> I know at least one listener has thrown staplers at me in that mode of creative tension. So I'm glad to know that I, that actually works. There are different ways to release those tensions. I think uh, probably, uh, you know, visiting a boutique beauty or boutique fitness salon would be my recommended other than throwing objects at one another. You, you get good reflections. All those, all those 30 years that I was doing ballet, that was my, 
that was my attention release for sure. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I totally can relate to what y'all are talking about. Um, so in terms of COVID um, and leadership, uh, what, what do you think is the most effective um, in, we've, in my magazine and things we've been talking a lot about grit and the elements of grit and being able yeah. to you know, adaptability and tenacity and, um, you know, passion and purpose and all those things. So what do you think has yeah. been the most effective leadership techniques to get your team through COVID and how have yeah. you done that? It's a great question. We, so I'm, I agree with you. It, it is about grit. Um, I think first and foremost, you need as a leader, you've got to have a visible leader. You've got to have someone in front. Um, I try to do this. I've coached all of our CEOs on, on being this, about being in front and truly being a leader, um, acknowledging the current state with openness and say, hey, this is what's going on, setting really crisp goals. I'm a big believer in the rule of three, uh, you know, Vini Vidi Vici, stay my God, uh, you know, I came, I saw, conquered, uh, mm-hmm. just do it. I mean, there there's something powerful about threes that people can, humans, we can remember. And so I often set goals in threes. We did that during COVID. We said, number one for us, health and safety of our team. Number two, profit protection, you know, to make sure we can survive as the franchisor. And third, just making sure that we're engaging our clients um, and, and our end consumers. And so that, I think, super clear goals from the top. And, and literally, I start every meeting, even, even now, even today, you know, four months into this thing, just reflecting on our goals, and we make sure we're, you know, um, living up to those. Um, I think also you've got to be, be aware that in times of crisis, in times of uncertainty, that you've got to be cognizant of the decisions you're making and, and the legacy that you're leaving. Mm-hmm. People look to leaders in times of crisis for are they... Are they panicking and jumping around or they, can they calmly lead and say, hey, here are the principles that we're going to lean on and, um, and, and you know, true character, I believe, is revealed uh, in times of stress. Um, and I think you've also got to look for touch points. Um, we're all dispersed, right? We've been dispersed here for four months. And so in periods of uncertainty, you've got to find ways to touch your team and touch your clients. So we had businesses that were evolving uh, every day and getting creative about how do you go touch your end consumer in a different way. Um, and then I think the, the last thing is I, people tend to, uh, people react different ways to stress, but I, I think about it in three ways. I think you've got to engage people's heads. You've got to get people really to understand where are we going as a company? What has to change? Um, you've got to engage people's hearts so they know that you care about them personally and their, their well-being. I mean, that's why we put health and safety first. But then importantly, you've got to think about their hands. People in times of uncertainty, some people clam up. They don't know what to do. And I, I feel like the best way through an uncertain period is get people to work, you know, get their hands busy doing whatever it is. So that, you know, making sure you're capturing heads and heart, which a lot of people in leadership talk about, but I think also making sure you're keeping people working toward the next you know, the new normal, we talk about that all the time. We're in a new normal. We're having virtual discovery days. We're having to invent new ways to engage with our clients. And so how do you get people's hands busy on that? And then the last thing is you just got to, I mean, Fred, you'll embrace this. You got to have fun. You, get, you know, you can't, <laughs> everything can't be serious. You, you got to um, have fun. And, you know, you got to get out. And you got to engage in your community and put on your Minnesota Viking horns. Uh, you know, but you got to have <laughs> Chicago Viking, but that's okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm a Bears fan. Sorry. <laughs> People be egging my daughter's house if I say I'm a Vikings fan. That'd be a bad thing. <laughs> uh, all right. For right now, we're going to take a bit of a break. Uh, tell the the people that are sitting on the Link Local Network or Pillars of Franchising chat, you can keep chatting at me and sending questions, or you can dial in to 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Talk to our technical producer, Heidi, and we'll get your questions on the air. And now, word from a sponsor. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And want to, again, give a shout-out to Link Local Network. Let everyone know the Caffeinated Connections is now virtual every Tuesday morning. Uh, need a network? Hang out. Go to caffeinatedconnections.com. We run from 7.30 a.m. Pacific time to 8.45 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Yeah, we're like we're going to change. So um, show up, have coffee, meet interesting people, and network. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you need some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westbine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. And we're back. Interesting topic. Elizabeth? Interesting topic. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that, Brad? Well, Franworth in general. Um, um, well, one thing I... Go ahead. Franworth in general, it is. And here's here's one thing I'm interested in. Um, in, in the magazine this month, we're talking about success, um, and it's focused on women. But in general... Uh, defining it, how I, I think it's an interesting question to ask people. Number one, how do you think you achieve it? And number two, how do you define it? Not just for your, for yourself, but also for in your professional life. Um, and and in, particularly now, when when we're in COVID and all these things, success might look a little differently than it has looked before. So, what what do you have to say about that? Um, in terms of of Franworth and your brands, and then 
your specific career? Oh, thank you. I I think I'll I'll talk about the Franworth first and how a role we play in success of us and others. Mm-hmm. The way to think about Franworth is we're a, a an incubator, a partner to emerging brands. And so we find brands and most of them, I just heard your commercial for women in business. Mm-hmm. Most of our brands are women founded um, or women led. They all are, in fact. Um, so the last lounge we talked about, Anna Phillips founded it. Uh, Madison Reed, as some of you have heard, you know, Amy Arrett mm-hmm. and the color business, Scoa, Andrea Scott. Those are our three beauty brands. Uh, we've got two in boutique, uh, or th- you know, through, we've got Title Boxing. Uh, we also have City Row, again, women founded, the barcode, women founded, women led. So, um, you know, one of the things that we hold true is allow that these founders, the ability to have their dreams come true. Um, th- every one of these founders um, had a great idea uh, and in their own modality, whether it's providing lashes or massage or facials or hair color or boutique fitness and had several units that were very successful, but they wanted to grow. They wanted to scale to bring their baby, their idea out. And um, they could have sold to private equity. These, these businesses are all good enough to have sold to private equity and bring an outside investment. But often you sell to private equity and the, the founder has a different voice. Um, and so one of the ways that we define success is by allowing the founder's voice to be heard and their dreams to be realized and wrap around them an infrastructure that allows that to be true. So I'll talk about um, SCOA for a minute. SCOA is a brand that's a facial only brand founded by Andrea Scott, a Canadian business. Um, she's created this great concept in Canada, but wants to bring it to the US. Um, boutique beauty in general is booming. The dry bar really started it um, with just blowout bars. Who knew you would go to a store just <laughs> to have your hair blown out? They don't cut, they don't color. They just blow it out, but it's an amazing business. Um, the Lash Lounge followed with eyelash only salon. We now have Madison Reed color bars, color only salons. We're going to bring facial only to the U.S. Booming business. But Andrea wanted to scale, and so her view of success is to grow it and to bring facial only and change lives in that way. Strong culture, strong values, great business. So what? How we brought her so success in this venture is growing her business by wrapping all the things that Franworth does around it. Franchise sales, real estate and construction, finance, marketing, supply chain, all these things. We're taking, we brought her products. It's cool. It's 50% product, 50% service. We brought her product into our distribution network. So franchisees, you know, one click and they get it delivered. We've, we've built a design and construction manual for her. We've, we're beginning to sell uh, in the U.S. now with her. We've got uh, marketing that we're bringing new ways for lead gen to happen uh, for the franchisee. So we're wrapping all that stuff around. So that for us is success to allow these women-led businesses primarily to grow and have these things come to life, but have the founders be a part of it. And I think mm-hmm. that's what separates Franworth. We're not just a consultant um, that tells the brands what to do. We're not a private equity company that ingests injects capital and then maybe takes control, we absolutely come alongside. And so we, in every one of our brands, the founder is part of the day-to-day decision and in many cases leading the business. Some cases we need to bring in an outside CEO like a Meg to run it, but in every case, the founder's engaged um, uh, to grow. 
So that's, I think, the way Franworth would define success. Um, and we were founded on mentorship. So that hopefully you can see that tie, uh, that mentor, mentorship uh, is prevalent in everything we do. We have, a, we have an intern program called Launch. So we have, I think, 14 interns this summer uh, who've joined us. I mean, again, we're only a 37-person team. We have 14 interns. Wow. Who we've given an opportunity to have a mentor, and they work on real stuff. I mean, we just, for SCOA, we just did a market assessment, and one of our interns, Bren, did that market assessment, competitive assessment. Um, so we, we give interns real work uh, in this crazy time, right, that, you know, we're all remote, but we give back to the community. Um, so for me personally, I spent a lot of time thinking about success versus significance, uh, in my life. I spent much of 2019 with that, uh, you know, thinking about that. I've had a good career, a good run and have the titles and, uh, and the more that, uh, you know, and often that's a climb often that's about me and, you know, all the worldly stuff about, you know, uh, having the, the houses and the cars and the income and the title. But the older I get, and hopefully the wiser I get, I realize mm -hmm. it's really not about me. Uh, it's about uh, us and we. Uh, and so I honestly, I spend most of my time now thinking about, you know, how do I go coach up uh, one of the persons on the team? How do I go coach up one of our brand leaders? Um, and, you know, and, and try to create value that way. Um, so that's a, that's a big piece for me about, you know, less about me, more about us and how can we do stuff together. That's one of the things I loved about Franworth when I walked in for that lunch I told you about. It's prevalent. Uh, it's a family. Uh, we take care of each other. We celebrate together. We, you know, grieve together. We, we do it together, much like a family. Um, and, and that's who you do business with um, is as important as what it is you're doing, in my view. And uh, so I've been very selective about how do I spend my time? With whom do I spend my time? And I keep that significance can we be working on something of significance along the way I'm a huge person about voice and with five children I that's one of the things I instill in them is that you have a voice you need to use it hopefully yeah. for good um, so I really find that appealing that 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 was your definition of success and then mm. transitioning into what you said about um, not being all about you as you get older and wiser um, we were talking before we started the show about some philanthropy that you're doing which, oh, yeah. which is putting that in action so tell us a little bit more about that yeah, I, I spent a year really thinking hard and studying about myself. How I went through this program called Halftime. It's a great program. It's a um, faith-based organization. It's a great book by Bob Buford. So it's been around forever, millions of copies sold, but it talks about how do you live your first half of your life, often for world success, but the second half around more significant. So I spent a lot of my time thinking about that. Who am I? How am I gifted? What's my vocation? And, and develop my mission. And my mission is very much about how do I go honor God and my family, but how? Um, and I've came up with two ways. One is life lessons. So I have this blog called lessonsonpurpose.com. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a writer like you, but I can, can write, <laughs> you know? So I do write some thoughts down um, from some life lessons. My kids tease me all the time. I got three kids about, uh, I'm like, oh, here's a life lesson. And they, they get me about it, but there's, I'm like, come on, I've got some things to say. So I've, I've started to write some of them down. 
So that's one way is, is mm -hmm. to share life lessons. And, and so when I pick an opportunity to, to lead, I often, you know, try to embed a, a life lesson in that uh, and do that most of the day. But then the other side of it is I wanted to leverage what we've built in franchising, which is how do you scale stuff? How do you go take something that's a great idea and move it in and scale it and make it bigger? So I created a nonprofit company called Franchise for Good. So we just started it. Um, and the whole idea is to take what we do in franchising so well, the component parts of how do you scale something? How do you develop a playbook? How do you, you know, bring some talent around it? How do you do a market assessment, a tight strategy, uh, whatever it is, and apply that at nonprofits. So we've landed our first customer at Franchise for Good. It's a company called Colorado Home Building Academy. Um, Pat um, uh, Hamill is the founder of that. He actually is the, the CEO of Oakwood Homes, which is one of the world's largest uh, home builders. They're owned by Berkshire Hathaway. So he's one of the 20 CEOs that work for Warren Buffett. But he came up with this idea of Colorado Home Building Academy, which is how do I go? He, he's a build houses, built 1,500 homes a year. Like he didn't, never has enough labor. And, if, and he's from Denver. If you look at Denver, there's a big underemployed uh, and unemployment problem. So he created a, an academy that trains these under and unemployed people and puts them in trade jobs, teaches them how to be a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter. Um, and so he and I met. So his vision about he wants to go create a, trade a million people in trade jobs. I've got this nonprofit to scale. We came together and we've partnered. So uh, we're building out 20 of these. We're going to go, our vision is to go create a million, trade up, train up a million people in trade jobs. And so this is just, I, I love this, um, again, because, again, it's about others. Um, but what's cool about it is it's using the principles that we all use and is used in every one of our, our businesses at Franworth. How do you scale those tools? And now we're applying it to the nonprofit. Um, so in the trade job creation and you know, and again, timing is everything. Just so happens there's a lot of government money being thrown at trade, uh, you know, trade training. Um, uh, you know, people are going to be looking for roles. So, uh, you know, it's a great time to buy a franchise because you're, you know, you can go be your own boss. But uh, it's also a great time to go uh, invest in yourself, and, you know, and skill yourself up. So, yeah, that's just one, just one example of, you know, how at Franworth we try to mentor, give back in new, new and innovative ways. So on your, your blog site, LessonsOnPurpose.com, um, what would you – everyone normally asks what's the top tip, and I'm not going to ask the question <laughs> everyone asks. I'm going to ask is what tip on leadership that have, have you given that most people don't know? So in other words, the least known tip on leadership <laughs> you've got. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's worth something. That's a good one. Um, you know, there's one in there I wrote on endurance because I was in the middle of this COVID thing. One of my favorite stories is Arnold Shackleton and, you know, he's trying to make it be the first guy to get across the South Pole and he failed and um, his boat got stuck and frozen in. And so now all of a sudden he's got a, his goal changed quickly to saving the lives of the 29 people on his boat. Um that's a gritty pivot, right? When I mean, we're talking about mm -hmm. grit, we're talking about pivots. All of a sudden, he was trying to be the first guy to get to the South Pole. Now, all of a sudden, he's trying to save lives. And so I, I took that. I love that story. 
Um, and so I, I took that. And I think a couple of life lessons that are embedded in that article are, you know, you've got to, as a young leader, I often thought about appearances and, um, you know, image and things like that. And, and one of the things I say in there, it's really um, leadership's about the stake, not about the sizzle. Right? it's easy to talk about stuff. It's easy to make it look good um, and spin something, but it's way harder to do it you know, to have the stake. And I think I remind people on my team all the time about that. I'm like, yeah, okay, that, that's a great marketing piece. And anybody can say they can do it, but can you do it? You know, can you add value? And I think that, again, in our businesses, we try to do that. We try to not just, we're not advisors as much as we are coaches and we're putting a shoulder with our founders and their teams to go build it. Um, and I, I think that, so I would say that and, and execution, Fred, I mean, just um, back to you, you can't just talk about it. You have to actually employ it and execute. So um, maybe that'll be a book someday. It's a blog now, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's, that's one I don't think a ton of people talk about. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. Okay. With that, we'll go to our next, next and final, mm -hmm. assuming I can find it. Commercial break. Just a reminder, folks, 323-587, sorry, 580-5755. How many times have I been saying that? Miss it? Ugh. And here we go. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 yeah. years a franchise experience. Mac and Alex are coming We tonight. help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. Clean up the bathroom. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Fred, we can't hear you. <laughs> can't hear me. Whoa. There's my copy now of we can. of Franchising. <laughs> Great book. Um, reminder, you can call in 323-580-5755. Wow, I love hitting the wrong mute button. Oh, wow. go ahead, Elizabeth, while I check some things. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I wanted to hit a little bit more on the mentorship uh, that you talked about that Fred was founded on mentorship. In terms of your life and success, um, have you had any really great mentors personally that have helped you down your life path? You know, I ha I've had a few. Um, you know, uh, some of them have come from, uh, you know, all over. I've had coaches. Uh, in my life, I've, I'm a, I, I enjoy athletics, and so I've always had coaches that have pushed me beyond where I ever thought I could be pushed. So, mm -hmm. you know, early, kind of early days, I had that. One of the best mentors in my life was my godfather, um, Dick Schiebel. He was a Korean war vet and fighter pilot. And, um, you know, it's funny, uh, he, he taught me in some ways how to be irreverent and um, take some chances. So he, he was a guy, he taught me how to juggle. He taught me how that um, first time in a, in a plane, in a private plane, and, you know, handed me the wheel, like on a 12-year-old kid, I don't know what to do. Um, 
taught me that line sometimes like don't always go to the follow everybody else in the line that everyone else is waiting and like take a look and maybe there's a shorter one or so lines and that aren't necessarily all for us um so he he taught me to be not so uh into my own self and be so serious um <clears throat> great mentor another one was a um you know, the first one in my life uh, was a guy named Jeff Seaman, who was a Minnesota, sorry about the Viking reference again, but a Minnesota Viking <laughs> and really turned his life from some real success as one of the, you know, purple people eaters and uh, middle linebacker for the Vikings, but then turned his life and, and really began. He was a Sunday school teacher of mine. And so he was one of the first in my life that talked about significance versus success. Um, and then frankly, the people that I work with today, I, I look for mentors, um, you know, everywhere I go. The, the board of Franworth, um, John Rachi, our founder, uh, he and I are wired very different. John is an entrepreneur. He's a, he's a dreamer, uh, but motivates me and fires me up every day. David Barr uh, is on our board. Uh, he, many of you know him, he's the last chair of the International Franchise Association, multi-unit franchisee. He inspires me all the time uh, with his passion and smarts and, and, and attention to detail. And then the team, our <clears throat> excuse me, our founders. Again, I'm I'm wired to to be the optimizer, to be the one that connecting the dots. Uh, and I get inspired and mentored all the time by these entrepreneurs who have a dream, and they're not going to let anything stand in the way. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm surrounded by mentors. Um, and then I'm probably the biggest one in my life is my wife. My wife's a college professor. We've married 32 years. Um, and I mean, her whole emphasis in her life is, uh, and, and purpose is giving back to other women. So she, her, her PhDs and, uh, the, the wage gap differential. Um, and so how to, you know, think in a big way, and she's a lifelong educator. Uh, and so continues to give her life to her sweet spot is, you know, young women in their kind of teens and early twenties. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I see mentors all around me. Where does she teach? She taught for uh, 20 years at Hamlin University in St. Paul, and then now is a she's on the board of trustees uh, there, so you know remains engaged uh, there. Not you, I love them. That answer, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a very nice compliment for a husband to say that about his spouse. So mm. I think that's that's just really mm. nice. It sounds like you have a great relationship. Yeah. Um, Fred, did you have a question in waiting? Well, yeah, I actually got two. Not University of Michigan? Man, it must be rough on football <laughs> weekends. Um, so with COVID-19, there's been a lot of franchises, uh, franchisors, franchisees who have been, hitting, been hit hard. Um, yeah. How is the industry, franchising industry as a whole, having to change uh, going forward, because as you said, this is the new normal and we'll probably never go back to the old normal. Yeah, great question. We, so we, well, I think we're all changing and I think every, every business I'm sure is looking critically at the elements of their business that need to change. <clears throat> I think I mentioned earlier that we spent, our leadership team at Framework spent much of the morning thinking about that. You know, our first reaction was to stick to those principles about protecting the team. So I think you do have to think about um, how do you, you know, how do you keep your team safe um, in the short term? So we do think about that a lot. We've got, we've redesigned our office. Um, we've got shifts of people, how they go in and out. We've got obviously all the 
protective stuff. So that's been one pivot. Um, another pivot has been in our businesses uh, that we've had to adjust to. And every single business, we've had to make a pretty significant move. Um, we got people down quickly. Um, we were very active on the Hill about making sure that PPP, the second round of PPP, got approved. David Barr was on the Hill working that on our behalf and all of our behalfs. And so we made sure that our franchisees were nimble enough to cut costs, you know, talk to their landlords about getting out of leases, uh, getting PPP. So we jumped into action early to help them shut down well, you know, understand the difference about do you furlough, lay people off, how does that work, getting after PPP. And we had 95% success rate about people that got PPP because of that effort um, across all of our brands. Um, and then, then on the business. So I talked about one of our three principles was keeping the clients engaged. So in every case, in the last round, we stepped up communication. We wanted to keep our estheticians crisp, so had them ways that they could practice doing lashing at home. At City Row, we uh, quickly, we created a live class. Luckily, we saw this coming, so we stood up a bunch of live classes, and now we've enabled our City Row franchisees. We had just opened, I mean, we had just opened nine units a couple of months, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, COVID hit. So we had to pivot quickly, but give them new ways to get revenue. We started a rent-a-rower program where you could go rent a rower, take it home. We started live classes. We started outdoor classes. Uh, we, so we just created new ways to do business. In our SCOA business, that's a facial business. Uh, you know, great franchise, um, but it's 50% retail and 50% service. So we quickly had to pivot and say, okay, how, what can we do with our retail business to get it into the hands of our consumers? So our founder, Andrea Scott, was doing demos online. We were pushing out and making it able for either consumers to come to our store and just buy the retail products that are also used on their face. Um, so in every one of our cases, um, you know, uh, we, we pushed on that. In many ways, thought about omni-channel. Our, our Madison Reed brand is digitally native, so it started with online hair color, and now we're building out physical color bars. Uh, our City Road business already had embedded, our barcode business already had embedded a smaller online version, so we ramped those up. So we made sure that we could, most of our businesses, we can touch the customer digitally, and we can also touch them physically. And so we obviously had to flex that business up. Um, so that's the way that we've been um, pivoting. I think all of us now are thinking about what changes. Um, we've been doing virtual discovery days. Um, so that's been a challenge. One of the things that we we built Franworth in the our Franworth headquarters around doing discovery days with open mm -hmm. spaces and you know places for people to tuck in and, and common areas. And now we're doing them online. So that's been a big one. And I see uh, discovery days happening virtually for quite some time. Um, business travel. Um, I'm actually taking a business trip next week, but I haven't been on one since March. Um, so how do you get this type of connection with people. And so we're, you know, we're coming up with new and creative ways uh, to engage with our franchisees digitally. And I think technology is certainly gonna play a part in it. We've accelerated our work around uh, business intelligence and KPIs. So to be able to give better access to our franchisees, the Lash Lounge is a great example of that. SCO is a great example of that and City Row. All of them, we put a business intelligence layer on top of the data to give them better, give our franchisees better access to who's doing things better than me, how do I rank, how can I do a deep dive, and then our franchise business managers, those 
field support people can dive in and help our franchisees. So yeah, and these investments in technology, I think will continue. So the real question is what's gonna stick? I think elements of all this is gonna stick. I think better data, I think better technical tools to complement those in-person ones. I think virtual D-Days have been, for us, very effective. We've been, we've sold, we've sold, um, we have Lash Lounge, Sco, and City Row all selling today. We've closed deals in every single one of those, multiple deals, um, during this COVID period. And I, I think that's in large part testament to the macro. So Boutique Beauty, Boutique Fitness is here to stay. Um, they've, they've survived. Uh, past downturns. Um, in many cases, um, demand, I think I mentioned before, Lash Lounge, uh, we've op reopened 90% of them and the demand is even higher coming out. There's pent up demand than, than going in. So mm -hmm. uh, some things are going to stick, uh, but some things, I mean, people still want to work out. People still want to take care of their beauty. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're itching to get back to, uh, to treating people in person as well. Right. And we lost it. There we go. You know what time what this <laughs> means. It's now time to go down the rabbit hole. So uh -oh. <laughs> I like to take rabbit hole um questions out of current events and, and uh yesterday, today I forget which I saw an article in the paper that says NASA's tracking a I think it's an asteroid that's of a decent enough size to do huge amounts of damage and it may impact or go past most likely the earth tomorrow. So, wow. Assuming this hits and we aren't all wiped out, what will Franworth's first fives or goals be in the post asteroid period from COVID to asteroid? <laughs> wow. Throwing another like national disaster at us in the middle <laughs> of everything. We, we've already dealt with a couple, haven't we? Um, that, that's a good one. Well, I hope it doesn't hit. Um, in fact, my, I, I'm in my um, bunkhouse because next door, my son who works for a tech startup has got the house and is on his conference calls. He works for this big tech startup that has satellites in space. So I'm going to go talk to him in a minute. And find out what's really going on with this asteroid to see if it's coming in, coming at us. Um, we, uh, I think, what we would do most importantly, I mean, we would check on our teams. Uh, I mean, that's what this is how we're wired. We, the first thing we absolutely would do, and this happened, this happened when uh, all the diversity and, and the stuff post George Floyd started to go down. Certainly happened when COVID started to go down. The first thing we did was check in with people. We, we gather, we huddle together, we say, "How are we doing? Are we okay personally?" Let's think about our franchisees, you know, and, the, and their end customers and make sure if there's anything urgently we can do to help them out. And then we back up and it goes back to head, heart and hands. I mean, we really think about, do we understand the facts about what the new strategy is? We talk about the heart to make sure everybody's in a good place and we know where we're going. And then we get people to work. I, I think, the, again, and if the asteroid hits, guarantee the next day our hands will be busy doing something, whether that's digging out our friends or, you know, getting, you know, rebuilding something or uh, whatever it is. But we would get heads, uh, hearts, and hands. Busy. So, Elizabeth, I will leave the last question to you. All righty. Um, we need our viewers to know how to reach you if they are interested in knowing more about Franworth, one of your brands, what you're doing, your nonprofit, any, any of those things. Yeah, great. 
most of it you can find on franworth.com. So um, on there, we share a bit about our brands. Um, one thing I didn't mention is we have a newly launched division called um, the Professional Services Division. So most of our businesses are these big brands like Last Lounge and Sco and City Row. Um, but we also support a number of brands, more emerging brands, uh, that can come in to tap into some of our support. We have a purchasing arm uh, for leverage purchasing. So you can check out our professional services division there. Uh, my email is dave at franworth.com, not complicated. Uh, and then my blog is lessonsonpurpose.com. So check it out. Let me know what you think uh, and give me an idea for the next life lesson. Sounds perfect. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a really great interview. I feel like I've you're one of the first guests I've taken notes while interviewing because I'm interested <laughs> in going to see more about some of these things. Oh, so nice. thank you. Thank you oh, for my your pleasure. time. My mm-hmm. absolute my pleasure. Thank you. Ray would say all the information's on Dave's bio page on the Pillars of Franchising. Thanks for Absolutely. coming up and putting up with us and not being boring, but being educational <laughs> and entertaining. All right. We've been talking I'll with Dave. I'll put my hat back on for you there. Yeah. <laughs> and Elizabeth didn't have one, which is bad, but she just got her hair done. So, okay. I forgot her. my hat. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be back next week with another interesting guest on.